Today is a dream come true. Our speaker today is Martha Bryant. Martha's father, Mick Hawkins, was one of my very closest friends. He was the church warden here until 1996. And Martha's mother, Zilla Hawkins, was the church warden from 1996 to 2005. Martha grew up uh, from zero uh, to what she is now, which I don't know, but uh, (laughs) uh, she grew up as one of the very closest friends of our daughter. So we've watched her, and now together with her husband, Ben Bryant, who's one of the service pastors here, one of the clergy team here, and we've watched them with huge admiration grow into outstanding leaders, parents to Jonah and Ray, and uh, just wonderful, wonderful people. And Martha's been a member of this church all of her life, but this is the very first day she has given a talk here. So would you give a very warm welcome to Martha Bryant. Thank you so much, it's so good to be here. Don't you love Nikki and Pips's t-shirts? <laughs> Um, as Pips, Nikki and Pip said, I, I, did, I grew up here at HTB, and I was the naughtiest child in HTB Kids. <clears throat> Every Sunday at about this time, I would be over in church house, as all the children are now, and I would be um, doing whatever I could to be disobedient to the leaders. And uh, at the end of each kids' session, my parents would come over and come and get me, and they would meet with the leader at the door, and I would watch them, and I would see them look over at me. And I knew that I was going to have a very serious conversation in the car. Do you know, about 10 years ago, they found a stash of sorry notes that I had been made to write on my Sunday afternoons in a drawer in the youth leader's office. <laughs> the irony hasn't escaped me now that I am now one of the HTV Kids leaders, and I guess you reap what you sow. <laughs> What would you do today if you knew that tomorrow was the last day of your life? Let me read to you from Philippians 3, starting at verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining on to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I've entitled this talk to you today, Focus on One Thing. What do you focus on in your life? Some people focus their life on getting a good job or the top job or success 
If I just get that job I want, then I'll be a bit more steady. Or how about being married and having a family? That will make my life easier. I'll be more complete. Money is what a lot of people focus on. My bank balance is healthy, I earn, I save, I give, and I spend wisely, and I'm secure in that. My life is stable. Or conversely, if I had more money, perhaps I, if I was out of debt, then I would be able to be more secure. None of these things are bad things, but they're not the one thing to focus on. One of the things I might like most about my husband, Ben, is that he's very focused when he's walking down the street. He's saved my life numerous occasions when he puts his hand out because I'll be sort of gabbling on at him, talking, 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 and he's completely focused on the cars and things and getting to where he's going. And he's put his hand out to stop me from walking into the path of the car. And he says, Martha, can you just focus on one thing? We have just moved back from Portsmouth about six months ago. And just before we left, we were really busy at work one day. And I wish I'd just listened to this advice to focus on one thing. I was um, running out the, the office. Um, I was speaking to my sister on the phone. I had it on there. I was, you know, um, unraveling my um, earphones, um, walking to the shop, bought a sandwich. Um, and uh, I, I can't cope with sitting down to eat if I'm walking somewhere. So I um, have to eat it on the way, which is stupid in a seaside town. On my phone, sandwich open, take the sandwich out, start to take a bite, and a seagull, no joke, <laughs> no joke, lands on my head, reaches down, takes the sandwich out of my hand, and then flew away. I wish I could have just focused on one thing of walking and eating my sandwich at my desk. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, but one thing I do. He presses on towards the goal of pursuing Jesus Christ and the resurrection. He's obsessive about it. Despite the fact that he's under house arrest, that he's suffering, despite the fact that there clearly will be, have been distractions in his life. Paul's entire focus is on this one thing, knowing Jesus. It's a question of priorities. Earlier in the passage in verse eight, Paul writes, I consider everything else a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. More than anything else, he says he wants to know Christ. What does that really mean, to know Christ? Well, the Greek word to know means far more than just intellectual knowledge. He's not talking about knowing about Jesus. He's talking about an intimate relationship with Jesus, a friendship. One of the ways Paul wants to know Christ is participating in his sufferings. He sees that in order to really know Jesus, suffering is part of the deal. Life is tough sometimes. People suffer with terrible things. 
My mother right now is in hospital with pneumonia off the back of 12 weeks of chemotherapy to treat her cancer. There will be people here today who've recently been diagnosed with a terminal illness or know someone who has. There will be people here today who are grieving, who have suffered loss. There will be people here today who are suffering at work, the pressure of the load of the work that you're doing. There will be people suffering from anxiety or panic attacks. When I was preparing this talk, I felt there was going to be a person or people here today who have actually said to the Lord this weekend, this is your last chance. In 1992, Sandy Miller, who was the previous vicar of HTB, asked my parents, Mick and Zilla Hawkins, to take the whole church on holiday together. They, um, the idea was the holiday would be a week together of great teaching, worship, fun, celebration, parties, and just getting to know each other better. They gathered a team of people, and they set a date, and the first focus happened. And it was amazing. It was incredible. People met with Jesus, they made better friends with each other, they encountered the Lord, and their lives were changed. The following year, it grew, and the next, and the next. It was the best week of the year. The whole church family going away together, spending time together, pursuing Jesus together, encountering him together. In 1996, when I was 13 years old, my parents were hosting Focus again. And we would always go up early to the site um, to prepare the venues with other volunteers and stuff. And my dad would take me and my younger brothers and sisters around all the venues to help set up. He would, we would uh, go and hoover the venues, we'd set up the chairs, we'd arrange crafts for the kids. Um, just other, lots of different things we would do. Then he would say, right, let's go and buy ice creams for everybody. So he would go to the shop and clean out the shop of their ice creams, their freezer, and start handing them out to all the volunteers that were there early. Let's go and encourage someone, he'd say. On the Sunday of Focus that year, my dad and I went to play tennis. And after playing two sets, the youth leader came up to us and he said, can I ask you a question? for a video that I'm making for the youth group. He asked this question. What would you do today if you knew that tomorrow was the last day of your life? And my dad said this. If tomorrow was the last day of my life, I'd like to have a really, really happy time today. I'd like to be with my friends. I'd like to be with my family. Actually, I'd like to be here at Focus. This would be the best last day. The next day, my family had lunch together and I asked my dad if we could play the final set of tennis that would um, play the final set. And he, he told me that he was actually gonna go and play squash with Nicky Gumbel that afternoon. So I said bye and strolled off with some friends. Later that afternoon, Nicky and Silla Lee, the leaders of the marriage course here, uh, came and told me that my dad had had some heart pains while playing squash. 
I went and sat with some mums from the church and my siblings, and we waited for news, and none came. So my sister and I walked down to the beach just to pass the time, and on our way back, the, one of the leaders of the church came up to us and said, Mummy wants to see you. And I said, where's Daddy? And she said, Mummy wants to see you. And as I walked back to the chalet where we were staying, I prayed harder than I have ever prayed before. Please, God, don't let my daddy die. As we approached the chalet, my mum came out in tears, just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My father had died of a heart attack on the squash court, leaving my mother with six children aged between six and 17. He was 42. That night, when I went to bed, my mother and siblings sobbing and screaming into our pillows. I can tell you that none of us felt much hope. The world as I knew it had crumbled before me and I was catapulted into grief at the age of 13. Life isn't always easy. People suffer. We can spend our lives never wanting disaster to come near us. We find ourselves saying, if good things happen, God is good. But if bad things happen, you can forget it. But Paul flips this idea on its head. Suffering doesn't take you further away from Jesus. It actually shows you more of who he is. It increases our understanding of him. He says he desires to know Christ so much that he is prepared to go through suffering. Even in the midst of our suffering, you can know Jesus better. Are you in a storm? or crisis today? If so, focus on one thing, knowing Jesus. So not only can we know Jesus through suffering, but the second way Paul talks about knowing Jesus is in the power of his resurrection. The power of the resurrection is not just a past event from history. Paul is talking about the dynamic power of the resurrection at work in our lives right now. Today, this week, this year, you can know the power of the resurrection in your life. I'm so excited that it's Focus Sunday today. Do you know, I look forward to Focus all year. It is the most extraordinary privilege to be talking to you about Focus today. It's a yearly reminder to me of the celebration of the dynamic power of the resurrection at work in my life. Some people find it mad that considering my history, I still go back every year. Do you know what, I would never miss it. It's where I find hope. It's where I find healing. It's where I find friendship and family. 
I've met my best friends there. I've been set free from things there. I started going out with my husband there. <laughs> Do you know I've been to every single focus except one? One year, I was on this beautiful white sandy beach on the island of Madagascar. I'd woken up early to go and watch the sunrise. The water was lapping at my feet. The coconut trees were swaying in the background. Everything about it said, this is, this is the perfect Instagrammable picture of paradise. But I just wanted to be at Pontins. <laughs> I was desperate to be at Focus. Do you know, I was miserable that, that holiday. I was miserable because I was missing out. I knew that there, my great big family was experiencing the power of the resurrection at work in their lives together. They were encountering a glimpse of Jesus together. A few years after my father died and I was still a teenager, I would have these dreams where my father would come back to life and everything was great in these dreams for a bit. And then suddenly, he would say, Martha, what has happened to you? Why, why are you not looking after your family better? Why are you not looking after the family? Why are you not looking after your mother? Why, why are you arguing with your sisters? And I would shout back at him, well, you left us, so you can't say anything. And I would wake up absolutely devastated. And I remember asking a youth leader to pray for me about these dreams. And I imagine it was all sort of part of the grieving process that I was going through. But anyway, I asked this leader to pray for me and she, she prayed. And that night I went to sleep and I dreamt that I went to heaven. And it was stunning. The roads were paved with gold. It was like this summer's evening and my senses came alive in my dream. I was just aware of the beauty of the place. But I was fixated on one thing, I was fixated on the fact that I had to find my dad. And I ran through these streets and I found myself in this castle in this dream. And I ran down these huge winding stairs out into the most beautiful walled garden you've ever seen. Roses climbing the walls, just the scent of them. I could, I could, I could almost experience it, I was experiencing it. And I saw a man down the end of the garden and I ran over to him and I said, excuse me, hello, have you seen my dad anywhere? And the man stood up and it was Jesus and he looked deep into my eyes and his eyes were like blazing fire and he said, Martha, I'm here. And I woke up. Now I know this was a dream but it had a profound effect on my life. It completely changed my perspective. It reminded me of what Paul says in this passage, to focus on just one thing, the pursuit of Jesus Christ. That heaven isn't just a place where we, be, we, where we will be reunited with all the people we love who have gone before us. But heaven is where we eagerly await our Savior, Jesus, to come from. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the prize. <laughs>
Jesus is the one thing. No matter the cost, no matter the circumstances, no matter your feelings, no matter your past. Paul says, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal of knowing Jesus. It's easy to think that it's all up to us. You know, there's words like press on, strain forwards. But the only reason I can press on is to pursue, for, to pursue Jesus is because he first pursued me. Forgetting what was behind him, the riches of heaven and the perfect union he had with his father. Jesus came and lived amongst us. He strained forwards towards the cross, disarming Satan, breaking the hold of sin, defeating death, and then he took hold of the goal of winning the prize of eternal life for you. Jesus Christ did all this because he was focused on one thing, you. I want to finish by reminding you of the question I asked you as I began speaking that was asked to my father the day before he died. What would you do today if you knew that tomorrow was the last day of your life? Focus on one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining forwards. Pursue Jesus with everything you've got because he is the goal and he is the prize.